Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are big surprise. Tiger Woods is the most popular player in golf. The MLB season is in real danger. UFC 272 live from Sin City. Wrapping up the regular season in college basketball and final game for Coach K at Cameron Indoor. Our five college basketball games of the week. And with that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on Thursday night back in Matt's basement in Delaware, Ohio. Um, we're coming at you live. Got some got some good stuff on the slate for tonight. Uh, like Colton said, we're going to start out with a little bit of golf news. If, if you remember us talking about this PIP thing um, last golf season, which is the player impact program, um, it was a it's a kind of a four pronged approach to determine who the winner of this was. And it was, I think they gave away 40 million total to the top 10 yep. placers in the, in this, um, you know, player impact program. And it goes on a Q rating, which to me, the way I understand it is like your familiarity. Yeah. With, like with, how with your brand, with your brand, yeah. like the, you know, the endorsements and the brands that, and your name recognition, I guess. And mm -hmm. then, and then next on the slate is your Nielsen brand exposure, which is the TV ratings right. that they feel your your name or your brand's bringing in. Mm -hmm. um, your MVP index and your Meltwater mentions, mm -hmm. which <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they came up with that name, but yeah. that's your social media presence the way I understand it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you add those things together and that's how they come up with the winner of this well, or they, the winners, the I top 10. They also take into account also your popularity on, on Google. So the number of times that a player's name is, is searched on Google is another yeah. metric that they put into this, what gotcha. they call the player impact score. So okay. And uh, it, it was a little bit of controversy. Uh, <laughs> Phil Mickelson announced that he was the winner right. and was self, thanking self, every, self proclaimed winner yeah, back in thanking December. Thanking everybody for uh, you know making him number one, and then uh, come to find out, Phil finished second. Right. And Tiger got first. And right. Tiger kind of jabbed him a little bit on social media, just put out a oops, oops, yeah, oops yeah, on there. I, so I, I think it's I think it's just it's interesting because I mean I mean are we are we all that surprised that that no. Tiger Woods is you know he the hasn't most played it. Hasn't Match played the year, right? And still is the most popular player. I mean, it, that's why it, I was think silly. It, yeah, you, you don't even have to win a golf tournament or right, or, even or play to be eligible. Even play, even play. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that that was one of the uh, you know when we talked about this before the show earlier today, um, that was one of the things that this kind of a I don't know maybe controversy if you will kind of surrounded. There's a couple guys that are like. It shouldn't be a popularity contest, but that's what it is. Right, right. right. I mean, because because you're not factoring in player performance at right, all. Like right. I'm not saying that it should be just strictly based on player performance, but, but, be, but maybe that should be a uh, metric that's better, added in. Yeah. So yeah, I think so too. But um, you know, I, but really, what makes a difference? It's not coming out of anybody else's pocket. Right. You know, this is money that was put up. Mm. You know, just for this purpose. Right, so right. it's not like it's taking away from. The purse, you know, the total purses at, right. at a lot of these tournaments or at right. any of it's these tournaments. A, a, so. side, a side bonus or, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. And But they're up at 10 million. It's going to be like 60 million. Or, 50 million. Well, yeah, it was 40 this year. It's going to be 50 million next year yeah. for the top 10. So I think Tiger got 8 million and then Phil was second. He got six. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. 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 So, so anyway. I wonder in the top 10, if John Daly finished in there somewhere, you nope. got to feel like he, he reaches a lot of those metrics though. Yeah. He's, he's no, got he a was brand fans. Love not, him. not, not in the top 10. No, uh, no actually they, they, I didn't run down the I, top. I 10. got I, the top 10 there. So after, after Phil and tiger, it was uh, Rory McElroy was in third. Uh, Jordan Spieth finished fourth. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau finished fifth. Uh, Justin Thomas finished sixth though. As a result of, of three through six there, they took home about three and a half million dollars. And then seven, eight, nine, and ten were um, Dustin Johnson in seventh, Brooks Kepka in eighth, uh, John Rahm in ninth, and then Bubba Watson at, at tenth. And each of them took home uh, three three million dollars. So, okay. um, right. so yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not so, like outside of Tiger maybe finishing first and not having played in a single event last year. I mean, those top ten I think are probably your most popular performance you know, wise too, pretty, yeah. pretty, you know, decent, uh, uh, you know, performance wise too. But I would say probably you're pretty accurate when it comes to the popularity those, those mm. top 10, you know, sure. guys. So, 
I don't think I don't think anybody will knock Tiger ever knock Tiger off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, off of there as long does as he retire from golf and still, and still win. Keep winning, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or is not eligible if he retires. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe know. if you're no longer on the tour, then you can't be part of it. Right. I don't know. Right. That'll be the only thing that keeps the, him from the, winning. The Tiger, the Tiger rule they'll have to create if it's yeah, not that, like that. that. Yeah, <clears throat> right, right. Okay, well, let's move on to something that's not quite as pleasant or as fun to talk about, I guess, and that's the. Uh, the ongoing contract negotiations right now between the uh, major league baseball owners and the uh, players. Um, this, this thing is uh, really taken on a whole life of its own and it's really getting ugly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been uh, kind of a culmination over the last uh, about three, three months here. Um, you know, started early, early December uh, around December 2nd, um, you know, after midnight, you know, the, the previous kind of contract or, you know, whatever expired. And so, you know, from there, it's been, you know, over the, over the next three months, it's just been negotiate this, negotiate that, and, and you know, no middle ground between any of them. I mean, it, it just looking at some of the different dates and things like that, it's been like the players have proposed this, the owners reject it, the owners, you know, propose this, the players reject it. So it's like they, they haven't been able to come to agreement on much of, yeah. of anything. And, and now as a result... They had to, you know, push back pretty much spring training is pretty much, I don't even know, canceled at this point, because how do you that they're already, you know, have canceled regular season games. So what do you I mean, what do you do now? Like right. what with you, preseason, how, how yeah. far do you keep canceled? Right. Like and, and at, at the same at time, what point with this being a business for the owners, do they just start hiring scabs and say, forget it? <laughs> right. Uh, they're going to replace replacements, yeah. you know, um, but I don't know. I mean, at the same time, maybe baseball could. Can, you know, could shorten their season a little bit. I mean, maybe missing the first, you know, couple weeks or whatever wouldn't be so bad for for mm-hmm. for baseball because I mean, if you look at it during the, you know, kind of the COVID shortened year, I mean, I I found that you know baseball a little bit more enjoyable mm-hmm. because there were games so many, you know yeah. you know so much less you know so many less games than what they you know they play 162 games. I mean, that's an average baseball fan is not not watching all those games or even maybe even half of those games so maybe catching one a week right right so i think you know maybe they could you know maybe they lose a couple games it wouldn't be so bad but i I just think at this point like they're not even any i don't think anywhere closer you know it doesn't sound like they've made any headway right it sounded like at one point monday they were getting close because that's why they extended this thing they said Mm -hmm. okay well because monday was supposed to be the deadline and then they they pushed it back well we've had some constructive conversations we're going to push it back a day right right then a tuesday you know and i and i hear that too they say oh you had good conversation but then as soon as soon as somebody makes a proposal it's like no no way absolutely not not doing that you know one of the things i think the big thing that i'm you know reading is you know that there's this the salary cap you know right now um it's set at 210 million dollars per team and um the owners wanted to only raise that by 10 million Mm -hmm. for two to 220 but that would be frozen the whole three years of the contract right it would stay at 220 um and they're using it it's called a salary cap to increase the competitive balance or to you know more competitive balance out the competitiveness of the league but really it hasn't done that you know um two teams i you know would call mid-market teams from missouri kansas city and st louis Mm. have won two titles in the last 12 years compared to the two top spending teams which are the dodgers and the yankees have between them they've only won one in the last 12 years Mm. despite outspending those other two teams by two billion dollars wow. well, billion that's the problem with the cap in baseball too is it's not a hard cap right, you yeah, can go over it and you just pay a fine right. but it, but it's just you know it's a salary cap but they're using that as you know to limit salaries mm-hmm. and you know the big market teams they just pay the luxury right. tax they ain't, they ain't worried about but, it but the, the Yankees players have been doing that for years yeah, <laughs> the players proposal was to start off 2022 at 238 Mm-hmm. which would be, you know, a $28 million increase right off the bat. And by the end of the contract in 2026, they'd be at 263. So, mm-hmm. I not mean, a, not a huge jump, but, you but know. I mean, that's a long way from starting at 220 and staying there for three years. Right, right. Absolutely. I think that, I think for that to stay at the same level for three years is maybe a little unrealistic on the owner's part. I think you got to at least, God, even a, a cost of living raises, you know, <laughs> right. something. Yeah, but, I got to have something in there. But uh, uh, I don't know. It just really seems like they're 
they're a ways apart at mm-hmm. this point. So yeah, a, a couple of things that the players did did kind of propose or you know, that I found interesting or you know thought probably would be pretty pretty good ideas, and that was um, an expanded twelve team you know postseason um, you know a, a extra couple of teams make it into the postseason. We saw that with the COVID year. Uh, once again, I thought that made baseball a little bit more interesting, mm-hmm. a little bit, you know. And this was a, a proposal from the players? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then also the universal DH as well, um, yeah. you know, DH in, in both, both leagues. leagues. And, and I mean, I, I they've been throwing that idea around for, for a long, a long time. time. Um, it obviously has never gotten, you know, written into the baseball rules. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely, you know, something that, you know, I would find, you know, kind of find interesting that the players are, are proposing those two, you know, those two rule changes or, um, you know, those two things to be in the, in the new CBA. So mm-hmm. and I, I'm surprised really that the owners wouldn't go for that. Yeah, more, more games, more money. Well, right? and, 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 you know, the postseason is what, you know, where you draw the fans. Oh you're, yeah. The, you're filling every seat, mm-hmm. you know, so in, in the TV money and stuff, I would think with the postseason, yeah, see, I, I think you had a, I don't think the, from what I read, it was the league that wants to expand the postseason mm-hmm. to 12 yeah. to 14, not, not the players. Either. Okay. Okay. So I, I, that may have been backwards. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, anything else on the, I mean, hopefully we can, you know, we can get an agreement and at least, you know, get some baseball games in this summer. But I, you know, like I said, I, everything, even before, you know, we knew this was going to be a topic on the, on the program tonight, I was kind of following it along in the, and yeah, I was not been, very, it's op- been in the headlines, quite not very optimistic about uh, the way things have been going so right, far. Right. Absolutely. It's going to be a shame. Uh, they're going to, they're going to ruin the sport of baseball. They lost, lost a ton of fans the last time this happened. And I mean, they may not recover this time. Right. Uh, and baseball is already struggling to keep, you know, their kind of popularity among the major sports just mm-hmm. because of uh, the fo- way football, baseball basketball is, is yeah. already above them and right. hockey is quickly catching. So right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, as yeah. far as popularity goes. So yeah, right. definitely not a, not a good image you want for, for I mean, a league that's somewhat struggling already. So yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's, uh, before we go to commercial break, we're going to get one more segment in here and that's on uh, UFC 272, um, coming up this weekend in Las Vegas, like Fulton said, it, it to me, it's kind of an un- underwhelming uh, lineup or fight card at this point. I think there's no title bouts. Mm-hmm. And then one of the kind of the co main events, um, the one guy had to drop out just this week cause he tested positive for COVID. So, yeah. uh, you know, and somebody stepped in, but yeah, give me your guys' thoughts on UFC 272. Yeah, it's going to be, going to be interesting. I think that the first one for, for me is, is yeah, that kind of co main event that really isn't now the co main event just because yeah, the, like dad said, the guy that was supposed to supposed to fight in it had to, had to drop out due to COVID, you know, COVID positive COVID test. Um, and, the guy that, that stepped in, I mean, he's he's coming in. He's an unranked fighter. I mean, he does have a record of 16-4-1, but he's going up against the the number six, you know, ranked guy in the in the lightweight division uh, with a record of 29-13. and 13. Um, But at the same time, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, he's not coming in total, you know, cold turkey type deal. He did, you know, this, this guy, um, you know, Renato Moicano, he did fight about three weeks ago in, in, in – uh, UFC 271 so it's not like he's one yeah and, and, and got a win so it's not like he's you know totally coming in cold you know he, so he should still be in good shape yeah, fighting decent, shape it's decent. just you haven't had a lot of time to prepare for yeah this. you don't know what you're gonna get because you know and I'd say I mean the flip side too I mean the other guy really hasn't had you know much uh, you know opportunity to see see what this guy's made of so it could be interesting I also found it you know interesting they are still gonna fight five rounds um, which is you know the typical for kind of a main title fighter you know Mm -hmm. main main event type fight instead of you know now that this is somewhat kind of a non-main event you know it would be like three rounds so they are still going to go you know go five rounds if it goes if it goes the distance so we'll see we'll see what happens with that but this is in the uh the catch weight which i was unfamiliar with but that's like 160 pounders okay all right yeah and and really i i I took a look at both these guys records neither of them are really setting the world on fire Mm -hmm. and they're in their last 10 fights anjos is five and five and moicano is six and four so Mm -hmm. i mean i i don't know there's just not a lot to be said about about this fight and Mm -hmm. like you said the whole card in general right i mean i guess the 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 main event Mm -hmm. has the the most to talk about as right, far right. as the reasoning. I think there's it. a little bit more, and, and more name recognition. Yeah. Right. Right. Maybe a little more story behind the, 
behind the fight itself, two guys that used to be great friends and trained together, and mm-hmm. now they're mortal enemies. So. Right, right. Yeah, no, obviously, you know, we're talking about the, the welterweight fight with, you know, the number one ranked uh, Colby Covington coming in at 16-3, and three, going up against number the number six ranked uh, Jorge Masvidal at 35-15 and 15 there. So, you know, like Dad said, these guys used to be pretty much best friends. I mean, at, at one point, they lived in the same house together. I mean, they lived together at, at one point, so... Uh, there was, there was, you know, has been some bad blood, a little bit of a falling out with, with them, you know, Colby Covington let, you know, left, uh, American top team in, in 2020 and they've been kind of, you know, chippy ever, ever since that. And, and, you know, I was watching some stuff in, in the media the last, you know, last week or whatever, and they're, they're really going at each other. They're, they're out for, out for blood. Well, you, you saw it when you went to college, Colton, you just way to ruin a friendships, move in together. Yeah, so right. Right. What... Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, definitely, uh. You know, know each other well. So it, it, this, I think, this is going to be interesting because of how familiar they are with the with each other. Like, how, what are we what are we going to get? Are we going to get like a kind of a feeling out in the early rounds, or are we going to get kind of a a bloodbath in in the early rounds? You know, I, I think that's going to be something to to watch for me. Is like because they know each other so well. Like, how Train is this together. how is this fight really going to turn out? Are we going to see two guys that really don't? do much because they sit and dance right right thinking too much yeah they're they're thinking about you know what their what their opponent's gonna do or do they you know try to you know make a move and and do something to to put themselves to to get a victory so i I think when it comes to the the type of bad blood that i think they're gonna come out swinging i I think they're both gonna come out swinging for the fences Mm -hmm. and and trying to knock somebody else i agree matt i think that that adrenaline or kind of that bad blood you know spills out into the into the into the octagon there and so it yeah I think it, it, yeah, it could go, it could go either way. I, I just, I, I, will be interested to see. I think that's, that's the key storyline from, from. But I, and I, not to, I mean, I think that will be a good fight. I mean, that would, that is, that would be a good one to watch. So, yeah. you know, because these guys are, you know, kind of, if you're a UFC fan, you've heard of both these guys, and if you know, probably watched them fight before. So mm-hmm. it, sh- it should be, it should be a good main event. Right, right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens. And th- um, this isn't pay per view, right? This is uh, ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, nice, <clears throat> nice. All right. Well, we're gonna take a real quick commercial break. Uh, don't, don't, don't lose us. Don't leave us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. Thanks for staying with us. Um, We're going to get into some uh, college hardwood now. Um, You know, we're getting close to that magical time of the year. It is March 3rd, so you know, synonymous with, you know, the March Madness. And uh, we still got a couple games left to go in the regular season. And then, you know, the conference tourneys. But, you know, we're getting close to Selection Sunday. So mm-hmm. we're going to kind of do maybe a wrap-up of the regular season. Um, we'll let Matt start. You know, we each took a conference and kind of picked out some highlights. So we'll let Matt get us started in this segment. Sure, yeah, I'll get started with the with the Big Ten, who's got a big game going on right now with uh, Ohio State, Michigan State. You know, they're playing for – Playing for some uh, lobbying for some position here in the Big Ten race. Uh, right now, it's looking like Wisconsin's going to take take the take the conference here. They've got a record of fifteen and four in conference with one game left to play for them. And uh, the guys right behind them, you got Illinois at thirteen and five, Purdue thirteen and six, Iowa eleven and seven, Ohio State at eleven and seven, and uh, followed by Rutgers, Michigan State, and Michigan all there at uh, 10, 11 and eight and ten and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the the, uh, the Big Ten is not really much to talk about uh, going down the uh, Indiana's kind of still in the running for possibly a, 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 tournament, a tournament seed, mm-hmm. but it's it's not looking great. You know, but you get much below Michigan. And I'm I'm not even really sure Michigan's in mm-hmm. their overall record right now at 16 and 12, and and not a ton of big wins for them. Mm-hmm. It to me, I think no, but I, I, everything I'm hearing from the from everybody talking about them on ESPN and all that, they think they're they're pretty. It's really been a disappointing season for mm. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, they expect expected a lot more out of yeah. them. I think. Yeah, 
But so so and then running down into the Big Ten, we kind of we broke this down to kind of give our idea of who we think might be player of the year, coach of the year, defensive player of the year. I also added freshman of the year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for player of the year, it's kind of a five man race right now in the Big Ten. You got uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, EJ Liddell from Ohio State, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, Kofi Coburn from Illinois, and Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Mm. If if you're asking me, I have to go with Johnny Davis. Mm. Right now, he's he's leading the best team in the Big Ten in Wisconsin. He's scoring 20.3 points per game, along with 2.3 assists and 8.3 rebounds a mm. game. I, I think that goes a long way to, to leading them to the surprising season they've really had so right. far. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a tough Big Ten right. conference yeah, where absolutely. every game is is a slugfest. Yeah. <laughs> They're saying, what, like nine teams at least from the Big Ten are mm-hmm. going to get in. Yeah. So. See that. And, and I mean, like I say, he's not leading the Big Ten in scoring, but he's, he's close enough. Keegan Murray, I, I think, is averaging 26, so mm-hmm. he's six points off the pace there. But right. he, he's doing a little bit of everything else. And mm-hmm. and like I said, getting Wisconsin in the position that they're in, I, I think to me that's enough to prove he, he's the player of the year guy. Okay. Uh, so for me, then, for coach of the year, I, I think, again, you have to go to the victors, go to the spoils. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin was a preseason Big Ten ranked number 10. Nobody mm-hmm. gave them gave them a shot coming into the season, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to take this thing. So, I, to me, I think you have to go with Greg Gard, Wisconsin's coach, to be coach of the year. All right. All uh, right. Breaking out to the defensive player of the year, this is, this is a guy from a, another kind of surprising team in, in Rutgers. You know, okay. they, they've always been towards the bottom, and, and, and now they're they're towards the middle, closer to the top, and they have a legit shot at making, making the big dance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with Rutgers' Caleb McConnell. Okay. He had a five-game stretch this season where he had 21 steals in five mm. games. All right. Nice. <laughs> I love the I love defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nothing says defensive player of the year like steals, and, and mm-hmm. he's done it all. Yeah, the guy's a lockdown guard, and he's played like it all season. He, he really deserves it. Right. And then I, I also broke out uh, a, a guy who I think could be freshman of the year, and the guy is playing right now for Ohio State in the mm-hmm. Mal- Malachi Branham. Okay. Uh, he's averaging twelve point seven points per game. He's shooting forty eight point two percent. He's got three point six rebounds per game and one point eight assists. Mm. Um, so a lot of people think uh, a guy out of, uh, I believe it was a guy playing for Nebraska should be the Big Ten freshman of the year, but you got Nebraska dead last in the Big Ten at three <laughs> yeah. and sixteen. So how he, much he, of he may impact? be playing a yeah. little better, but is he and really? And Branham's really played great these it's last four or five stretch, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's been. You know, when teams came in and said we're going to shut down EJ Liddell, yeah, you know, to try to get up. a win against the Buckeyes, Branham's really stepped yeah, up. Yeah, I, I think these last six or eight games, he's averaging almost twenty points a game mm-hmm. in these games. So he's he's gotten better as the years gone on, and, yes. and he, he's really shown to, to be. I think he's going to be the freshman of the year. All okay, right. very All good. Right. Colton, you want to go next? Yeah, what, what conference you got? I'll start off. Start us off here with a uh, the big kind of the Big Twelve uh, wrap up here. So. Uh, sitting sitting in first place at, at thirteen and four, that's the the Baylor Bears. Um, then you got Kansas right behind them, about a half a half game behind them uh, at, at twelve and four. Um, and then you got Texas Tech at twelve and five, um, Texas at ten and seven, uh, TCU uh, eight and eight. So kind of after that, everybody else in the conference has has a losing a losing record in in, in the conference. And and I think the big surprise for me. West Virginia in the basement at yeah. three and fourteen. Bob uh, Huggins' team. Yeah, man. this year has not not been kind to to Bob. You know, Huggy Bear there in, in West Virginia. And they've been close in some yeah. big games. They've they been, just haven't been able to get those quality wins this year. Yeah, so I think that's you know that's just not you know what we're used to seeing. You know, even though Huggins has had some some down years, th- this seems to be like a, a really really down year. So, be interesting to see what what happens. You know, towards the towards the end of the season here. You know, I'd hate to see. A, a guy like Bob, you know, lose, lose his job. But, you know, obviously when you're not having much success, you know, that, that the eyes start to, the microscope is, is on you. So, but, you know, as far as kind of the, the season awards or, you know, into season awards, um, you know, co- coach of the year, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think it's, 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 you know, hard to, hard to pick just because, you know, Baylor's always, always good. So it's, it's hard to say that they're, their coach deserves coach of the year just because Baylor is always good. But, but I think you have to say they are, you know, they, they are, he deserves coach of the year. And that, that's Scott drew um, with, with the Baylor bears. I mean, they're number one, um, you know, number one in the, in the big 12 standings, they won the big 12 last year. I mean, a conference that's usually dominated by Kansas and two years in a row here, we could potentially have, you know, Baylor win it back to back years. So, um, you know, they're, they're number three overall in the, in the rankings and, a real good shot at, at earning 
not only a, a one seed in the NCAA tournament, but, you know, potentially the number one seed overall in, in the tournament. So faced a little bit of adversity, but I think, uh, you know, Scott Drew has, has uh, you know, handled that pretty well. And, you know, so I think he'll, he'll take home the, the, the coach of the year award. Um, as far as player of the year award, hands down, I think you have to give it to Oshai Abaji, the, the guard out of, out of Kansas. Um, the guy's got, you know, he's averaging a career high of a little over 20 points per game. Um, the Jayhawks have a, have an overall record of 23 and six and 12 and, you know, 12 and four in, in the big 12. And I think he's a big, a big, big part of that. And, you know, he's, he's stuck around for, you know, several years at Kansas and, and has been kind of, I would say his first couple of years just kind of played a, a role kind of role player position, but this year he really is that guy for, for Kansas and it, and it shows. So I just think that he has, has had a big impact on Kansas w- without him. I don't know where Kansas Kansas would be, so I got to give it to to Oshai there for for um, you know Player of the Year in the in the Big Twelve. And hopefully he can, because it's it's nice to see these guys who stay, stay. around in the world of mm-hmm. one and done right. get, get rewarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, then for for freshman freshman of the year, then in the in the Big Twelve, I got I got a the guard out of out of Iowa State in in Tyrese Hunter. Um, currently, he's he's second on the team in points at, at a little over eleven points per game. He's first in assists on the on the team at almost five assists per game, and then he's also first in in steals, almost almost two steals a game. So, and then among among the the rest of the freshman, you know, kind of class in the Big Twelve, he's first in scoring, first in assists, first in steals per game, and he averages the most minutes out of out of all the freshmen. So, the the minutes that he's getting, he's making the most of it. And, and you know, I know Iowa State they they don't have the the greatest record in in the Big Twelve, but I think. You know, he's had a big impact as a freshman and there, you know, was kind of really, really tough. You know, wasn't it was pretty clear to, to pick him. I mean, he leads a lot of the statistical categories among freshmen. So I just think, you know, Tyrese is going to take it, take it home for, for Iowa State. Um, and then finally, defensive player of the year. I got a guy, Musa Cisse, out of uh, the forward out of Oklahoma State. And for me, he's he's been the big man in the in the middle for, for Oklahoma State. He leads the Big 12 in blocks per game at uh, almost almost two blocks, two blocks a game. So, you know, I think he's he's a big reason why that, that Oklahoma State defense, you know, plugged plug the middle. And and he actually, I don't even think he's a starter for him. So he, he makes a pretty big impact for him coming off the bench. So, you know, I think he, he if he maybe got the quality minutes or, you know, more minutes as a, as a starter, he may even have a bigger, a bigger impact. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the big man out of Oklahoma State is, is going to take home defensive player of the year. All right, very good. Well, I, my first uh, conference, I'm I'm going with um, the Pac-12 here, and uh, really, if took for me, it's a clean sweep out there. Mm. Um, and I'll start off with who I think is going to win. Well, obviously, they've already won the Pac-12, mm-hmm. and that's number two Arizona right now. Yeah, sixteen and two, twenty-six and three overall. Um, you know, and their coach Tommy Lloyd, first year. Mm. You know, I mean, the hands down, he's coach of the year out there. Yeah. You can't. You know, they're going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, obviously a Pac-12 championship. They've only lost three games this year. So mm-hmm. um, so two for two there, I think, with him. Um, and then for player of the year in the Pac-12, um, to me it's a two-man race, but I got to give it to the guard from, from Arizona, Ben Bethune, um, 17.1 points per game, 54% from two-point almost 38% from three mm-hmm. uh, free throw percentage of 76, almost five and a half boards and almost two and a half assists a game Right, that, that, going up against Johnny Juzang from Juzang from uh, UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, they're identical in points, but everything else, you know, that, that, that this kid from Arizona has got him beat, uh, you know, just about every other category. So right, right. it's just a clean sweep, I think, for Arizona out there, and maybe a, a conference that maybe isn't as isn't as competitive mm-hmm. as what we see in the rest of the country. But you know, hats off to to uh, Tommy Lloyd and the job he's done. Out yeah, there. That, that's you know interesting that how how quickly Arizona has been able to have you know success because you know if, if you don't know, I mean, Arizona has been in the in the media for all the wrong reasons here recently right. with all the, the, you know, kind of recruiting scandals and, and paying players. I mean, Sean Miller was, you know, obviously a, a staple there in Arizona for a long time. And then, you know, this report comes out about all this, you know, crazy stuff with recruiting and agents and all this other stuff. And Arizona, you know, was one that was specifically named in that report. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, 
you know, Sean Miller was, was specifically named in that report. So it, uh, you know, kind of Arizona was, was in the media for all the, all the wrong reasons, but, you know, hats off to, to Tommy to, to get it turned around and, you know, put that all behind us and, and, you know, keep winning basketball games and, you know, build, building a team there of, of his own. So it is a lot easier to, to build a good team with the team he inherited. I mean, he got a lot of great players from that. And, and, you know, and I maybe only see two other teams coming out of the Pac-12. All right. USC, um, obviously, is going to get in, I think, um, at 14 and 5. And they're ranked, what, 16th, I think, in the country Mm -hmm. or 15th. And then uh, 25 and 5 overall. UCLA, 14 and 5 also, 22 and 6 overall. I think they're 17th. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I think. I, obviously, those two teams get in, and that you know, then and you then drop Arizona down, on top of that. And on, Arizona, yeah, yeah, those two teams plus Arizona. Then you drop down to Oregon. Yeah, so I think right now, to me, is a bubble team. Mm-hmm. They're eleven and seven, eighteen and eleven overall. Um, they did have a good stretch there where they uh, they played USC and UCLA back to back weeks or back to back games and beat them both mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. first time they met, and now um, the last time they had to play them again back to back, and they. They uh, beat UCLA and then lost to USC by only one point. So, right. so I think I think, but I, to me, Oregon's got to do something in the tournament. Um, so I, you know, they're, they're, you may only see three teams from the Pac-12 get in this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So, Matt, who you got then for your second conference? Yeah. Then yeah. So my second conference, I've got the uh, SEC, and they're, they're led the way by Auburn at fourteen and three, followed by Arkansas thirteen and four, Kentucky also thirteen and four, and Tennessee at thirteen and four. Mm, competitive. Yeah, the top really is, and then after that, it kind of kind of evens out here. Then the the next run of teams are all at nine and eight. You got Florida, Alabama, and South Carolina, mm. and then LSU at eight and nine, Texas A and M at eight and nine, and Mississippi State at eight and nine. Mm. After that, the rest of these teams really really probably have no shot at you know making the tournament or anything like that mm-hmm. um so tournament teams i, I think you, you're definitely going to get auburn in they're number five in the country right now arkansas is definitely in at 14 in the country kentucky's mm-hmm. definitely in they're seven in the country tennessee i'd say is definitely in at 13 in the country yeah. and alabama's at 25 in the country but i i think you're also looking at florida's got a really good shot at getting in and mm-hmm. i think lsu's got 20 wins already on the season that, that's wow. usually that's usually the mark where you say kind of the magic number yeah, right, 20 say, wins and you're in there right right so i mean lsu looks like they have a really good shot texas a&m's got 19 wins already and mm-hmm. florida as well has 19 wins so i mean there's a lot of teams in the sec that looks like they have a really good shot at making the tournament yeah this is and, and making a run definitely been in excuse me, an SEC conference this year, you know, an SEC, you know, year that they're playing, playing well. They got, you know, some good teams there in the SEC and it's, it's been competitive. I mean, we've seen maybe over the last couple of years, you know, Auburn has been good. Kentucky's always pretty, you know, always good, but, you know, I think we, we've seen kind of a falling off the last couple of years of maybe some of those other teams, but, but this year it seems like it, it's pretty, pretty tight there yeah. in the SEC yeah. tighter yeah. than what it maybe usually has been. Though I will say as far as the SEC goes, Georgia there, they're the antithesis of that's a football school because <laughs> they are one and 16 in SEC play and six and 24 overall. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're definitely not one of those schools that are kind of competing in both places. Right. For sure. It's yeah. So they, they better be really enjoying that national championship <laughs> right, in football. Cause right. they've got not much to cheer about. Well, right. Hopefully now. they can maybe use that to spur some basketball recruiting or right, use that to their play. advantage. But yeah, it doesn't look maybe, good. Maybe they need to get some of those football players <laughs> playing on the basketball team. <laughs> there or something. You go. I don't yeah. know. So uh, looking at the player of the year candidates right now, it's, I think it's a, a two man race really for Kentucky. You got Oscar, uh, Oscar Sheebway. Sheebway, yeah, yeah. and uh, also Jabari Smith from Auburn. Mm. I, I don't think he's too far behind. Yeah. I think Sheebway is probably going to ultimately win. He's averaging sixteen point nine points per game, fifteen point three rebounds, one point eight steals, and one and a half blocks. He does a little bit of everything. He's he's a hustler, man. He's, he just he yeah, he's, he's got a motor. He's yeah. a he's a beast out there. And, and well, and again, another guy that stayed. Yeah, yeah. You know, a transfer from West Virginia, right. mind you. So yeah, Huggy Bear might have a little more success if <laughs> uh, he still had that. Right, right. But uh, then looking at Coach of the Year, I. I, I don't think it can be anybody else other than Bruce Pearl. Mm. He, he's really turned oh, Auburn around. No. Auburn hasn't been a great basketball team, and he got there, and now they're one of the best in the country. Yeah, uh, it looks it looks like Auburn is probably going to win the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a game left to play, and and they've got a game advantage. So it, it looks yeah. like they are going to at least claim a share of the SEC and 
and and Bruce Pearl's done a great job. He he really deserves to win Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, looking at Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going with uh, Auburn's Walker Kessler. He's averaging one steal and four point six blocks per game. Mm. Wow. Those those blocks, you know, he's really clean, keeping people out of the inside and and just you know protecting the rim all game long. Mm-hmm. And for Freshman of the Year, I'm going with Auburn Jabari Smith. He's averaging sixteen point nine points per game. 6.9 boards, 1.8 assists, and 1.1 steals, and one one block. Like I said, he, he's he's kind of 1B there for player of the year, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I think the, the rebounds, because everything else is about even between him and Sheedway. Yeah. He's a little off on the rebounds, and I think that that's what kind of sets them apart. Yeah. But I'm sure he'll be happy to take on freshman of the year. All right, absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm going to move it over then to my, my second conference. I got the, the Big East there, so – quickly just run through the standings i think i think the big surprise right there at the top you got providence Mm -hmm. at 14 and 3 what a what a fantastic season Mm -hmm. they're having i mean they've always been a decent you know kind of middle of the road team in the in the big east or you know always a tournament team usually it seems like but i mean to lead the lead the big east i mean that's pretty impressive i mean i don't i don't know what the kind of the preseason expectations i really didn't didn't do too much research on that of where they were projecting them to finish in the standings but I'm almost certain it wasn't it wasn't first place or at hmm. least tied for first place. But right behind them, then you got Villanova at 15 and four. Um, then behind them, you got Creighton at 12 and six, Connecticut at 12 and six, uh, Marquette at 10 and eight, Seton Hall at 10 and eight, and then after that, everybody else has a has a losing record in the in the Big East. And you know another another surprise team similar to the Big 12, Georgetown. Oh, and 18 mm. in the Big East have not won a single Big East game wow. this year. And I mean, that that's tough. I mean, Georgetown, you know, is always fans one of those. of D.C. ain't going to put up with that for very Right. Long. I mean, I just feel bad. You know, Patrick Ewing, you know, alumni, you know, a great player for, for Georgetown back in the day, comes back to his alma mater to, you know, turn things around, get things straight. And I mean, he had some success last year, but, you know, hasn't maybe lived up to the expectations. I think that everybody's you know, wanted or expected, um, you know, it's just, a, it's tough. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a different game, different ball game than when, you know, he played back in the day. I mean, it's just, it, it's interesting, but you know, it, it, you know, like we were talking before the show started, they have somewhat given him that vote of confidence right. that, that he's, you know, going to be the, the dreaded vote well, of confidence. Yeah. It can so. sometimes be the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. That he, that he will be back. You know, they have the confidence in him that he'll be back for next year and that they, you know, expect good things, you know, great things from him, but we'll see. I mean, Oh, that big goose egg in the, in the big East really, you know, makes you, makes you think. Um, but anyways, uh, going into, you know, some of the end of season rewards, you know, talking about, you know, great coaches. Um, and I, I think that has to be, you know, coach of the year has to be Ed, Ed Cooley, the head coach out of Providence. Like I said, they're leading, leading the conference right now, or, you know, at least tied for, for the conference lead. Um, they have a ranking overall ranking of number nine. I mean, I, I don't know, remember the last time that Providence was in the top 10, but mm-hmm. you know, that that's pretty impressive. I mean, they got a 24 and four record overall. I mean, I, they're just, doing a lot of good things and, and, and Cooley has been there a long time in Providence. And so I think a lot of the success this year ha- has to do with, you know, some of the stuff that, that he's done and, you know, some of the adjustments that, that he's made. Um, as far as player of the year goes, I think it has to go to the guard from, from Villanova in, in Colin Gillespie. Um, he's a fifth, fifth year senior. So we, you know, talk about guys that have stayed around for, for a long time. This guy's been there for, for five years. Um, but, He's, he has career highs in, in points at a little over 16 points per game. He's shooting better from the field at 44 and a half percent. And he's shooting better from the three point, um, three point line at 42 and 42.7 percent. So, you know, Wildcats are up there uh, tied for, you know, the big East lead. Um, and so I think a big, a big reason why, and that that's Colin, Colin Gillespie, um, Freshman, freshman of the year, um, as bad as, as Georgetown's season has been, I think that they have, have the best freshman in the in the mm-hmm. conference, um, in uh, Aminu Mohammed, a guard out of, out of Georgetown. Um, he, he leads the Hoyas in scoring, rebounds, and steals per game, even though, like I said, that Georgetown hasn't had a lot of success. As a, as a freshman, he's, he's been able to do all of, those, all of those things. And, you know, among other Big East freshmen, I mean, he leads in a lot of the big categories. And, and I think maybe that's why – you know, Georgetown is struggling a little bit this year. They're, they're putting their back, you know, putting their, you know, weight on, on a freshman's shoulders, but 
Hopefully that will help blossom him. You know, he stays around for, for a couple of years. That'll blossom. Say, you think he stays around or does he want to transfer to somewhere he can go win? Right. Maybe, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see, you know, in the off season, how, how that plays out. But, uh, you know, I think that, that maybe why Georgetown somewhat afloat, I mean, w- without him, where would they, maybe, would they even win a game at all? I mean, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Amino there for, for Georgetown is, is the freshman of the year. And then, as far as defensive player of the year goes, I got I got the the big center out of out of Seton Hall and Ek Obagu. Um, he leads the Big East um, in blocks per game, and he only averages like twenty minutes a game. So he makes the most. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's not a you know not a starter. Doesn't get a ton of minutes in there, and and you know comes in and gives you gives you quality defense. I mean, he may not be the best offensive player, but he comes in. He knows what his role is. Gets gets the you know the stops in the in the paint and and really plugs up the middle for for Seton Hall. So I think I think he takes home defensive defensive player of the year for for the Pirates. Okay, well uh, we'll wrap this up with the ACC. Um, to me, it's not like a strong SEC like we're used to uh-huh. seeing in the uh-huh. past. There's still some great teams there. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. Um, Duke's got this wrapped up uh, right now. They got a two game lead mm-hmm. at 16 and three in the conference, 26 and four overall, number four in the country. You know, they're knocking on the door, being a number one seed somewhere. Um, who else is in from the ACC? Notre Dame at 14 and five, uh, 21 and nine overall. UNC at, also at 14 and five, 22 and eight overall. Miami, 13 and six at 21 and nine. Wake Forest, 13 and seven. 23 and 8, Virginia Tech, 11 and 8, 19 and 11 overall. And I think maybe a team that's will get in, but kind of on the bubble right now is Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 11 and 8 in the conference, but only 17 and 12 overall. So, yeah. yeah. And they yeah, split yeah, their wins, a quality win. They split with Duke this year. They beat them in the first. Uh, and, and they matchup. beat Duke at home, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, something. They beat them they... in the first matchup at Cameron Indoor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Duke beat him in the second round, but uh, or second go round, um, but uh, you know I, I think I think um, you know there's still some good teams here, but I, it's just not the strength that you're used mm-hmm. to seeing right. in the ACC. Um, an easy one for me, coach of the year is Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. Yep. Um, second year coach. This is a team that only won six games last year. <sighs> yeah, that's a heck of a turnaround. He had lost seven players to transfer. Mm. And, you know, still come back. And like I said, they're 13 and seven in the conference and 23 and eight overall. So, yeah. so, so mean, you don't think they send Coach K out with, the, no. with one last? No. I mean, uh, sentimentally, yeah, that'd be the pick. <laughs> but but it, it's it's always tough to get, you know, he doesn't get a lot of the votes just because right. that the expectations, expect that you know, him. Duke yeah, is, right. is at the top. That right. That's why it's so tough to always give it. I mean, does Coach K probably deserve it every year? Yeah, probably, but it's one of those things right. that because right. it's expected, they they you know he loses some votes there. So, right. so um, my freshman of the year is hands down, you know, Paolo Bancaro from mm-hmm. Duke. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to read you his stats because I think he's also one of the top two guys in running for play of the year against um, Armando Baycott from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you why I think Armando should get it. Um, one, the only, uh, category that Palo has beaten him in is overall points. And that's only by like 0.6 points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Baycott's better from the, from the field, uh, by almost 16 points, percentage mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if, but they say, okay, but you know, he doesn't take three, three point shots, which are obviously harder, mm-hmm. but they have a formula where they adjust your shooting percentage. And even after the adjustment, um, Baycott is 11 points ahead of, of Bancaro in mm. that category. Um, rebounds, Bancaro 7.5 rebounds, 1.7 of those offensive. Mm. Uh, Armando 11.1 rebounds, 3.2 of those offensive rebounds. Mm. Blocks 0.9 for Pilo and one and a half blocks a game for Armando Baycott because he does play closer to the basket. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to me, and again, I got to give this guy credit for staying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and I don't want to too many times. I think you see uh, this, this, the vote kind of swung by who they think is going to play better in, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Both these guys are going to be playing in the NBA next right. year. Right. But uh, you know, the hype all year has been around Paolo and, but they're both first rounders. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and to me, you know, Armando, would North Carolina even be where they're at yeah, without that's what him? I, was just about I to mean, say. 
Paolo gets a lot more help from the rest mm-hmm. of his team, right? Right. You know, to push Duke to the to the first in the ACC mm-hmm. um, than than what Armando gets. But uh, you know, to me, I, I got to you know, obviously, freshman of the year is Paolo hands down, but. Uh, player of the year in the conference, I got I got to give it to Armando Baycott from mm-hmm. North Carolina. Oh, man, it's kind of hard to fathom a guy winning player of the year on a team that's not even ranked in the top 25. Yeah, right? yeah. But, but I, I mean, I see all your points, and they all make great sense. Right. Man. I think that's just the nature of, of the ACC, yeah. like Dad said. You know, it's just not hasn't been, you know, the strong year that we're used right. to seeing there of, of mm-hmm. like, you know, five, six, seven teams all be ranked in the top 25 right. in, in the ACC. We just don't, don't see that this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you and know. The, you know, and, and we'll talk about that North Carolina Duke game game coming up. But to me, for Duke, um, you know, they've only played like two ranked teams all season mm-hmm. because of teams in the ACC not being ranked right. like you're used to seeing. Right. Not right. to saying there's not good teams in the ACC. They're just they're just not ranked in the top twenty five. Right. Now, now with those two having one last time to kind of match up against each other, you think that could kind of sway things to see how they play on Saturday? Uh, I mean, as far as player of the year, yeah, yeah, playing each other. I, to me, I don't because I got to go with the whole season, the whole body work right, for the right. whole season. Mm-hmm. But you know, but I don't get a vote. Right. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's our wrap up of the conference. Let's move into our our picks of the week. First one on the slate is a noon game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Got number fourteen Arkansas at twenty four and six going in against the Tennessee Volunteers at number thirteen in the country, twenty two and seven overall. Give me your guys' thoughts on this game. Yeah, Matt, you want to start us off? There? Yeah, I'm going with Arkansas on this one. They're averaging four more points per game, along with shooting three percent better from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. All other major categories in this game, these these teams are pretty much head to head, you know, right on each other. So I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to come down to that free throw shooting, having that slightly better percentage from the line is going to be just enough to get Arkansas over the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, these two teams are matching up for the second time this year. Um, Arkansas took, took round one. They beat, beat Tennessee 58 to 48, a, a game there. Yeah. Tennessee didn't even break the 50 mark. Um, and right. it, it was, it was kind of strange because both teams shot, about 30 percent from the field Uh, i watched a lot of that game and it was an ugly it it was tough i mean there were a lot of stretches where both teams just could not put the ball in in the basket um but i think the big difference in that one you know tennessee had 15 turnovers arkansas only had 10 i mean not super impressive on arkansas but you know they had five less turnovers that's that's five less possessions that Mm -hmm. that tennessee gets there and you know if you have 10 turnovers i mean maybe you convert on all five of those possessions that's two, two, two points on every possession. Right. You're, you know, tie ball game. So, but yeah, I, I think Arkansas comes into this. They're a red hot, red hot team right five now. Five in a row right now. Yeah, five and five and zero oh in their in their past five games. Um, One of those uh, went over Kentucky. Yeah, they're they're playing well. Um, so. I like Arkansas in this one. They got they got a guy by the name of J.D. Note. Um, he's averaging almost 20 points a game. But for a 20-point scorer, he's also leading the team in assists as well. Nice. So, you know, nice. he's not just, you know, scoring the ball, but he's also sharing the wealth as well. So I think Arkansas just has 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 more playmakers in maybe, you know, a, a tight ball game. I like Arkansas to, to make some free throws down the stretch and, and get the win. All right. Well, I'm going to have to be the descending vote on this one. I'm going to take the volunteers on in this. Because they are giving up five points less per game. They're averaging more steals and more blocks. You know, and as hot as we said that Arkansas has been, Tennessee's 8-1 and one in their last nine games with mm-hmm. wins over Kentucky and Auburn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and playing at home um, in a noon game on Saturday, I got to give the edge to the volunteers in this yeah. one. But, but, you know, the other thing, you know, low-scoring low game in that first one, I, I expect it probably be low-scoring again. These two teams are the best, they two, get after it. best two teams defensively as far as of points per game, you know, allowed in the, in the conference, one one and two in in the conference. Yeah, so they get after it they they defense. definitely play you know play defense and and get after it. So I, I expect another low scoring affair. <clears throat> All right, next game on the slate is also a Saturday game. It's at four o'clock. You got number twenty one Texas at twenty one and nine, going into Kansas uh, number six twenty three and six. Colton, do you want to start us out? Yeah, so, um, you know, similar to the, the first game we talked about, this will be the second time that these two teams are are, are meeting mm-hmm. each other. And uh, actually, Texas came out on top in the first one, 79-76, to 76, in which looking at the stats from that game was kind of a head-scratcher. Kansas shot over almost 60% from the field. Texas shot – but but on top of that, you know, Texas shot, I think, less than that. I think they were like 40% from the field. 
And but the pro the difference was Kansas had 15 turnovers in mm. that game. So and, and it, you know Texas only had you know probably a handful in, in that game. So you know Texas Tech took care of the ball. I mean it, it mattered. They they got a victory 79-76 in the first one. And coming into this game, I mean Kansas is really kind of trying to find their own. Or you know yeah, they they've they're, lost they're two in a row here. Um, you know as of late, which is you know not something that you see out of a out of a Bill Self team. But I think the difference in this one. Kansas is going back home. They're back where they're comfortable. I mean, it's it's tough to go into Allen Fieldhouse and and get get a, get a win. I mm-hmm. mean, they they know how to win there. That that environment is is tough. I think Texas, yeah, you know, I think Kansas gets a win at, at, on their home court. Gets back on the on the winning side of things. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, go ahead, Matt. Right. No, you're good. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. I'm going with Kansas as well. They're averaging 11 more points per game this season. Four more boards. Three more assists. You know, they lost by three points to Texas last time out they played, and I, they're going to be out for revenge. They're home. Mm-hmm. All, all signs point to Kansas winning this one, and probably by a little more than you would probably think. All right. I, I got. I make it three for three on this. I like Kansas at home. Uh, you know, it was amazing to me, though, looking at their records, that, that Texas has played 10 games against ranked teams this year. Yeah, the Big 12 is, is – Yeah, yes. and, that, and like I said, and that goes to the strength of the Big 12, but mm-hmm. they're only three and seven in those 10 yeah. games against sure. ranked teams. So, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas, it, they're three and four, so it's not like they have a winning record against um, um, ranked teams. But, again, I like Kansas coming back home. Bill Self, I think, has probably been uh, chewing a little tail at practice here in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like Kansas coming home uh, and winning this game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, third on the slate, uh, 6 o'clock game on Saturday. Coach <laughs> K's last home game of the regular season at Cameron Indoor Arena, mm-hmm. man. You talk about the end of an era. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you got uh, UNC coming, coming into the – Camp against the Cameron Crazies at twenty two and eight, uh, going against number four Duke at twenty six and four. You know Duke's really playing well here in the last last week, two weeks. Um, you know they're knocking on the door of a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, is it better to be a one seed and have to travel a lot west, or be a two seed and stay closer to home? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know we'll see how that plays out. And of course, obviously it'll have something to do with you know, how, how they do in, in the uh, ACC tournament. But, uh, right. you know, UNC's only one and four versus ranked teams. Duke got them by 20 the first time they played. At, uh, at their place. At, yeah, at Chapel Hill. Um, you know, Duke's only this, – this is an amazing stat. Duke, like, and I mentioned this earlier, Duke has only played two ranked teams all season. I mean, mm. when was the last time you saw that out of a Duke team, uh, you know, coming out of the ACC? Mm-hmm. But uh, – I like Duke. You know that the big stat for me is they have a 15 point differential between what they're scoring and what they're allowing. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's big. I mean, most teams average right around eight or nine point differential. They're at 15, mm-hmm. and that that's that's monster. Yeah. Um, yeah, more definitely. blocks, more steals per game than North Carolina. I like I like the not only the sentimental favorite, but I think they're obviously the better ball team. I like I like the Blue Devils at home. I'm right there with you. Duke crushed UNC the first time around, like you said, 20 points. Mm-hmm. I don't see this being much different. There's no way, and you know where, <laughs> that Duke's letting Coach K lose his last home game. It's yeah. just not going to happen. <laughs> leave, leave Duke's a sour not going to let it happen. The officials aren't going to let it happen. <laughs> yeah. The NCAA is not going to let it happen. The he is not losing the that last home The game. water boy. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, I, I think, uh, you know, like, like Dad mentioned, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously we know what we're getting on the offensive end when it comes to this Duke team. But I think the difference for me, what, what you know, kind of shocks me or what's a little bit different than maybe some past Duke teams who've been, you know, this good or whatever is just how well they do play on that defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I mean, they, they really pay attention to the detail, um, you know, on, on the defensive side. I mean, they got the big seven-footer in the middle there and, and Mark Williams, who's leading the ACC in blocks. I mean, he's he's a he's a giant there, and I mean – uh, on the other end with, you know, the offensive side of the thing, you know, any, any time a bucket's anywhere near that rim, he's, he's right there to scoop up the rebounder, you know, put it. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point, Cole, mm-hmm. not to enter, not to uh, interrupt, but that's a big thing I noticed with, 
with him is, yeah, he's a great shot blocker, but a lot of times you see with shot blockers when they do go for, they get themselves out of position mm -hmm. on the rebound mm -hmm. and you don't really see him do that. He, you know, he, he does get his, his share of blocks, but he doesn't get himself, you know, so worried about getting a block that he works himself out of position for a rebound. Right. Yeah. And, and in that, in that first game, that was the difference. Duke out rebounded, uh, almost out rebounded UNC two to one. It was, it was 40 rebounds to 24 rebounds. Ooh. So, and then, you know, a significant portion of those were, were offensive rebounds. So I think that's just the difference for me. Duke has the playmakers. They, 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 you know, play a little bit, you know, better on, on the defensive side of things. They're sending coach K off with the, with the win. Uh, I like the blue devils to get it done. <clears throat> All right. Very good. Uh, late game on Saturday, you got number 16 USC at 25 and five coming in to UCLA um, number 17, 22 and six. Um, I'll start out here. Uh, USC's one and two against ranked teams, and one and that sole win was against UCLA, but it was only a three-point win. UCLA's two and three versus ranked teams. Um, you look at the stats; these two teams, obviously, at number sixteen, number seventeen in the country, one game apart or two games apart in the win column. Um, they're so close statistically, but I, I guess to me, I just you know that first game was so close. I look for them to split. Um, mm -hmm. You know, UCLA coming back home, I, I'll give the Bruins the edge just because they're – I mean, these two teams are so closely matched, but I, I like I like UCLA at home. All right. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to have to have to disagree. I mean, I picked – I picked USC in the in the upset the first go round and you know got that got that one right. I, I like the Trojans again in this one. I just think they have a lot of versatility uh, in their in their lineup. Um, you know I like like the Trojans in another another close game. They they you know play pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. You know I, I think it's a a close one, a very close close game again. Uh, but I like the Trojans to come out on top. Yeah, this is another one of those games that are, it's going to be very close on paper, but UCLA is shooting 6% better from the free throw line. I, I think with the game being this close, it, it's going to come down to the free throw line again, and I, I think UCLA takes it. I also think their veteran leadership really helps them here. Johnny Juzang having a great season. I, I think he Is Tiger healthy in. now? Is he back? I know he missed a game last week. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe an ankle thing, but I haven't heard. Uh, yeah, I haven't really didn't really yeah. look too much into the injury report. But okay. uh, <clears throat> all right, um, okay. So the last game of the of our five five game set here, it's a Sunday game, uh, late Sunday actually, seven thirty. <laughs> it's a yeah. Big Ten matchup, number twenty four Iowa coming in at twenty one and eight versus number twenty Illinois at at twenty and eight. Um, yeah, I you would think with uh, coffee being the the big man in the middle that uh, they would have more blocks, but actually I was averaging like two more blocks a game than what Illinois is. Mm -hmm. um, but I was only one and four against ranked teams. Mm. Uh, this is this is a tough game for me to pick. Yeah. I really like Coburn. You know, twenty one and a half points, sixty point one percent from the free throw or from the from the uh, from the field and uh, almost eleven rebounds a game. But I think Iowa is the more complete team mm. to me to watch them play. Uh, I, I like Iowa, even though they're going into Champaign. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Hawkeyes in this in a close one. All right, Matt, what you what you think? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Rob on this one. Iowa's averaging seven more points per game, shooting five percent better from the free throw line, and they commit four less turnovers per game. But mm. so, you know that, that gives them a little better chance there to score a couple extra points and, and, and win a close one here. All right, well. I got to disagree with everybody here. Then right. I got I got Illinois. To, I knew we I knew all three of us wouldn't. This too close a game. I think. Uh, you know Illinois. I got Illinois in this one, and you know the the reason is you know they they, they played each other earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. Illinois won that one, eighty seven to eighty three. Illinois had eighteen turnovers in that game. Iowa won. only had four and, and still won that game. Wow. Illinois out rebounded Iowa two to one, fifty two to twenty four. 19 to nine on the offensive rebounds mm. in that game. That's a 19 and, and, offensive rebound. I mean, that's man, just, that is, that's yeah. just big opportunities. You can't give a team that many second chances. Yeah, with the big man there from Illinois with, with Kofi Coburn, you just can't give him those, you know, easy put back dunks or, you know, easy tip ins. I like, uh, you know, Illinois to get it, get it done in, in a close ball game. I'm <clears> just <throat> thinking Iowa might've learned something, you know, Ohio state showed that you can't, there is a way I mean, to you can stop him. I mean, There's a way to beat Kofi. And if you can beat him, I think you beat Illinois. I think, you know, the, big thing and you know we saw this last year in the in the NCAA tournament 
you know, run, run, run to get him, you know, get him wore out. out. Make him work on both ends of the floor, work to get open on offense. Like Colton said, Mm -hmm. don't give him easy looks. Right, right. Make him work on offense to get open and make him play defense. Right, right. So, all right. Well, that's our show for tonight. Uh, we, We enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, we're coming back at you live next week on Wednesday and, uh, we'll let Colton, uh, do the, do the dirty work here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, like dad said, thanks for listening to fired up with your host, Colton Cal, chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Uh, we, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for, you know, future episodes, or if you just got a burning sports question, you want to hear us talk about on the show. We, we try to talk about a little bit of everything, but we, we miss some stuff. That's, that's for sure. But you can reach out to us on our, on our social medias. We got an Instagram, uh, fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at uh, fired up comma sports podcast. So we'd love to hear from, from our fans and, you know, hear what's, what's on your mind. Um, you know, we, we love hearing ourselves talk, but we'd love to hear, you know, <laughs> hear you guys, you know, say something too. So um, you can always head over to our, to our website too, which is uh fired up one dot podbean.com. Uh, you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, a little information about, about the show and, you know, you find our find all of our old episodes on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of. Apple. Hopefully, we'll get Braden back in the studio now that his basketball season's over as well. Yeah, so we we're we're over there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, you you name it, you can find our show. So appreciate you guys listening, and as always, stay, stay fired up. up.